podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Well, hello everybody and welcome back to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield Road. So we're back with another week, another podcast, another guest, which is great to be able to do. Um, Jordan, this time of isolation, we've had a chance to have loads of different guests on, uh, which seems to be going down really well. Um, so we're looking forward to having our guest on just a little bit later. But as you know, at the start of the show, uh, me and Amo like to have our discussion, our debate. Uh, and today our debate is going to be all about best Premier League players. So top five of the best Premier League players that we feel are the best Premier League players anyway, but they're players that can't have played for Liverpool. So it's going to be interesting because obviously there's a few boys from Liverpool that you would have put up there straight away off the bat. I would have been thinking of the likes of Gerrard, of Hippier, of Torres, of Suarez, of boys like this. Um, but we're not going to include any Liverpool players today, so there's not going to be as much Liverpool talk, which is going to be interesting. I can't believe you never mentioned Alonso there, Danny, to be honest. But, yeah. <laughs> well, I think people are sick of hearing me talking about Alonso, so I feel like I'm going to calm it down a little bit. <laughs> what, 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 one minute, 18 seconds into the pod, and I already got my first gap there. <laughs> <laughs> Just going to be one of those episodes. But before we get stuck into it, Tell us a little bit about your week, what you've been up to, Amo, what's been going on in your life in lockdown. Um, do you know what? I think this week has been a week of optimism for most people. It's generally the same for myself. And I've been, I think we can see a light at the end of the tunnel at the moment. I, like, I think, I'm not saying that we're, 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 you know, we're weeks or days away from this lockdown ending, but I think from what we're hearing, the vibes, it's going to be, we can see a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, so I've been looking forward to kind of getting back to normality. Um, same. I, I, I wish I could give you some great story, but I've literally been being a father and um, it's a young child, you know, people listen to how hard that can be at times. Um, trying to do a bit more of my health and fitness and stuff, eat, eat right and stuff. Um, it's really challenging. And people, yeah. I'm sure people listen to it and realize how hard it is. Um, people that don't know, Danny is a bit of a um, health guru, shall we put at the moment. <laughs> he, 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 He's helping me along the way, um, and me and my friend Johnny, and Danny's friend Johnny too, we've been having a little bit of a, bit of a private challenge, so <clears throat> we had a social distancing workout in our back garden, which was, which was quite fun. I, mean, I think like everyone was just making the most of the situation, I mean, I think we've all kind of got used to it a little bit, like our mindset has been adjusted, like, like everyone, um, and I'm just kind of getting on with it, really, and I think there's a hopefully a bit of light at the end of the tunnel, um, and hopefully the same with the Premier League, you know, with the the big announcement that Germany is going to start playing at the end of the month, you know, yep. uh, which is good. Um, how have you been and what are your feelings about the fact that the football could be you know, getting closer? Yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? There was, uh, there was obviously an announcement in the news today to say that the government have given the green light for the Premier League to start back at the start of June. Um, so I was super excited to hear that. Um, and I just hope, I know there's a lot of murmurs, there's at least six teams in the Premier League that are happy for us to not start back and to make the season null and void. Uh, but hopefully there can be enough agreement uh, later in the week when they do a vote to be able to get it done. Uh, I, was chatting, I was actually chatting to my wife about it, I was chatting to Faith about it before and um, saying about neutral venues. And she said, wouldn't it be a bit of a letdown? No, first title in 30 years. And it'd be a bit of a letdown that Jordan Henderson would have to lift the Premier League in an empty stadium, in a neutral ground that isn't even Anfield. But do you know what? We're just kind of at that stage where I, I said to her in the end, I said, do you know what? Like, I remember when I was 17, winning a, a cup competition, winning like a national cup competition with the team that I was playing for at the time, Stanley Park. And we celebrated in front of me nan and three other people. And we went mental. We didn't care. I was like, so do you know what? <laughs> If I had the option of not win the league or celebrate in an empty stadium, I'd have my shirt off and I'd do a lap of one. I wouldn't care. <laughs> I, feel about that situation. Uh, I have to say, the, the word you used there, a bar, that's a really good scout word, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Everyone else, everyone else will be going, what, what, what's he on about? <laughs> what's he on about? <laughs> yeah, no, I couldn't, couldn't, could, could not agree more. Um, it's one of these where, yes, there's good degree in life, but you live them day by day, week by week, so we just... Until actually see the announcement, right? Like Liverpool are playing boom and this date. Mm. Also, can say there's 
talking about our partners, uh, Larissa and Faith. I'm sure they're going to be happy knowing that the football's back on and we're going to be watching football every day. <laughs> more football cram- crammed in for a short space of time. I mean, the, pod- the podcast will certainly be interesting. We don't know where to start or where to end. Or where- we'll probably-, probably have to go see podcasts a week to keep up with them. And I was going to say, like they're saying about trying to get it done in a really quick period of time, aren't they? Trying to get it done within like three weeks. Every team got nine games left, trying to get it all polished off. I think we'd have to do maybe two podcasts a day just to be able to get all the games for today. That's it. But well, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I suppose it, if it's got to be done, it's got to be done. And we, we can see the light at the end of the tunnel, which is it, it, it's something that, you know, that, that's not football. But that's the big football group of That's the society. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I said before, I think you agree, Danny, and a lot of people agree. When the football comes back, that might start have a little bit of a sense of normality. Whether people like football or not, people that don't like football are very aware of how big football is. So when that starts to come back, that may be a little bit of a sense of normality for other things to start picking into place, you know? No, I think you're right. And I think it's going to be interesting. I think it'll sort of lift the morale, lift the mood of the country a little bit, seeing things getting back to some form of normality. And, and that's what we want to all see. We want it to be done safely. We want it to be done properly, but we, we want it to be done. And, and that's, the, that's the thing behind you think it. Do you think it'll lift the morale of the United fans? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, I, th- I think Norwich is going to be a very sad place if it starts back properly. Um, but outside of that, you know, everyone else will be happy to sit on the TV to watch it in Gogglebox. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, I've got hope, hopefully not too long away. Hopefully not. But until then, obviously, we are going through. We've been going through our top five. So we've been going through our goalkeepers, been going through our defenders, been going through our fullbacks. But we thought we'd have a bit of a change from the usual programme today. Uh, and we would do our five, top five Premier League players that we think are the top five Premier League players in the in Premier League history, really, haven't we? And um, But they can't be Liverpool-based. So... It'll be an interesting one. I, there's so many people you can potentially choose in this. There's going to be so many people left out. There's going to be so many people that will kick off about it and will say, oh, you didn't include him, you didn't include him. But what can you do? You've got five to choose from and hundreds and hundreds of players um, that were potentially world-class players at the time. So let's see how we get on and let's see how much of an argument and a discussion we have. So do us a favour, Amo. Give, yeah. give me five up to three. Give me five up to three, and we'll okay. save the top two for the end. Okay, no fair enough. Um, well, just a just a footnote to start off. With. I mean, I don't base my players on being left footed or defenders. So that's just <laughs> strangely enough, I haven't in this. I, I've had to try and go for, for quality <laughs> rather than left footed ability. But uh, yeah, I mean, number five is going to shock some people, but I've gone Rude Van Nistelrooy. Okay. okay. The reason I picked them is because when I was growing up. As I think mentioned this in previous pods, I didn't have that hate for United that um, I do now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and um, I used to watch like on ITV um, one with the Des Lyman and the, the, the Champions League. And I remember just like if Liverpool were playing one week, Man United next week, or even back in the day, like Newcastle were playing in the Champions League. That's probably why Newcastle was second team type of thing. But yeah, I always used to watch Van Nistel, and he always used to seem to score. And my naive young lad growing up watching score all these goals and I wanted to be a striker so it was just like wow and uh, I have to say when I was a young kid watching this I was never one for skills and I like to think I've adapted skills into my game as I got older a little bit yeah. Um, but um, yeah, he just used to score 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 and that's all I wanted to base my game around so number five for me Man United player or not is Van Nistelrooy I don't think many people can argue with that he was a, he was a great player he was a great goal scorer at the time so as you said, there's going to be tons to choose from. And I think it's it's a testament to the fact that we are predominantly into football. I know we're massive Liverpool fans, but we're into football. And the fact that you've got a Man United player in there. I've got a Man United player in my top five, actually, as well. So uh, so we'll see. we'll see how it goes. But go on, carry on for us. Yeah, fair enough. So number four, I've got Dennis Bergkamp. Legend. So, yeah, I mean, what what can you not say about this guy? We've mentioned him in previous pods and stuff. He's just, how can I put it? He's just so calm on the ball. And I just think that Watching him, it was kind of, he always used to do something sick. At that, at that age, when I was growing up watching the Premier League, you'd, sometimes you'd miss a match. Yeah. And you didn't watch every match. But you'd watch the Premiership on, on a Saturday night or the match of the day or whatever. And, you know, you'd show highlights. And every single time I watched Arsenal, because was, they were a good team, and Bergkamp just did something stupid. And it yeah. was like, wow. And he just looked so calm. And he just, I think it, was, I think it just idolised how he played, really. Um, he'd score every type of goal, left foot, right foot, header. He could be a playmaker, he could be a goal scorer. And um, plus, he never really had pace. And I, I can relate with that. Yeah. 
<laughs> so uh, Danny's grinning just for everyone listening. He, he used to play football with me um, from my young days to my old days. People say to me now, oh, you would have got that 10 years ago. And I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> so, I never did have pace in the watching day camp. He never did, so it was kind of, you know, um, kind of great to watch him. Yeah. Um, and actually, his skills are, you don't really need to mention how good he was with play, do you? No, it was quality, like, and it showed the depth that Arsenal had at that time. I was actually watching an Arsenal game last night uh, on BT Sport, and it showed one of the old Arsenal games. And Bergkamp didn't start the match because they had so many options up front at the time. Arsenal, you think of the legend that Bergkamp was, and the goals that he scored, and the way that he played. Uh, it just showed the depth of Arsenal's team at that time. But he was quality Bergkamp, another level, really, in a lot of ways. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Number three. This is going to be a shock to him. This comes back to the Newcastle days, and I hope you know this player because a few people might be raising eyebrows and go, Who's this guy? His name is Lauren Robert. Uh, left foot. And boy, could he score screamers. Oh, do, 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 do you remember who we were about, Danny? Oh, I remember Lauren Robert, yeah, he was a great player. He used to just smash them from everywhere and score, didn't he? It was like, yeah, he was one of these players that used to like, create angles with that left foot, and it was like, Wow. Inside the foot, outside the foot, side of the foot, on the volley, on the half volley, scissor kicks. Um, and I remember watching, as I say, going up watching the Champions League when Newcastle went and stuff. And he used to just, I just used to love him. And that was uh, the old old football game called LA Manager on the, the PS2. And we're going old school here now. And uh, what was the first one of the first players he's always by was loving the bit. <laughs> so yeah, he just won't enjoy because again, I mean, there'd be no surprise that my top five is full of attacking players. And yeah, hmm. Lovna Bear is my number three. Very good. It's an interesting one. And to be fair, for the first time, I suppose because of the amount we've got to pick, like the players that you've got in your lineup there, I haven't got in mine. So our lineups are going to look completely different, I think. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what the top two and the number one is. Um, but I have gone number five, I, I thought was really difficult. There were so many to choose from, as I said, and I tried to whittle it down. And you try to go for players that that are overall. So I haven't gone for players that that I like, but players that I thought had a massive impact on the Premier League. So that's what I've gone for. And I got down to. All oh, right. Well, I I just went for players I like. So okay. Canvas goes. I think it was interesting because otherwise I would have put the likes of Saul Campbell in, the likes of John Terry, people who I thought like. As you said, I'm a defensive player, so I like those types of players. I like the way that they play. But I don't think they had as big an impact on the Premier League as the ones that I've put into my top five. Um, number five, yeah, after, a lot of, after a lot of debate, my number five, I've gone for Sergio Aguero. I don't think anyone can argue with his, his goal-scoring record, okay. his, the way he's gone throughout the years. He is a quality player. Um, he scores goals, he helps his team, he assists. Even now, he's not getting as much game time, but yet he's still up there like in the top five top goal scorers in the Premier League this season. And he consistently has been for the last seven, eight, nine years. Um, so it was between him and Drogba. I had a real sort of debate of which one I was going to put in. But I eventually went for Sergio Aguero as my number five. You can't really argue that. I mean, his goal speaks to himself. He's won title after title. And he's, yeah, he's just a, he's a, he's a finisher, isn't he? Yeah. Sort of days, he's just a finisher. And he's goals, goals, goals. So I'm actually glad that you put an attack and play in the top five, Danny. Let's look at this. <laughs> As we go up, there's more to come. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see, we'll see. Now, next one isn't a, isn't an attacking player, but he is a player that I love and just love the way that he played. And I think he defined the team that he was in at that particular time. So my number four had to go with Patrick Vieira. Any team on the planet would have wanted Patrick Vieira in his prime because he was amazing the way he controlled the midfield, that his captain and ability, the way he led his team from the front. And he was just, he was solid, not unbeaten. He was, he went through everything. He got the man, he got the ball. He was hard as nails. And, and yet he had the football ability. I know everyone always has this debate about Vieira and Keane and, and which one was better. But for me, Keane was a monster and, and not and got past Keane. And he was passionate, but he didn't have the ball playing ability of Vieira. Vieira could bring the ball down. He could control the midfield, playing good passes, playing... 40, 50-yard balls, playing one, two-touch football close to him. And he 
was the driving force in what Arsenal was at that time. When Arsenal had the unbeaten season, when Arsenal were winning titles consistently, it came from the drive that Vieira gave in that midfield. And and like as someone who spent a lot of time, especially when I was younger, playing defensive midfield, like Vieira was the man that you look to in world football at that time. There's not one person that can argue that he's a quality, quality player. Um, hmm. And I think when you talk about all-time Premier League greats, he always comes in the discussion. For me, though, I mean, I, I, when you say at that time, and it's everyone would want him as a team, I look at the likes of Gerrard and think, well, he just didn't, he didn't score enough goals. But then I understand where he comes from. Gerrard played more of an attacking midfielder as opposed to Vieira. Was, Vieira was a, a very much original box-to-box, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. I can't argue. I mean... He's not going to be a bad player on this list, is he? So, to be fair, like, so I, I can't really argue. Exactly. I think it's going to be the type of list where it's going to be quite debatable, where we could probably put them both up on Facebook to see who has got the better list, who people would vote for more. So maybe we can put it up on a Facebook story or something. But we'll see. As I said, there's plenty yeah. to choose from. Number three is an interesting one because there's so many you could choose from. And there's for me, it's, it's hard to separate one to three, but I had to put them somewhere. My number three, I've gone for Alan Shearer. Alan Shearer, record Premier League goal scorer, won, won the, even just for the fact that he won the title um, with Blackburn, like with the team that they had, and yet they had a decent enough team at the time, but for him to be able to perform the way that he did and get Blackburn the title and then go back to Newcastle, become a legend there, and all the different roles that he played, um, like you've got to put him in there. He had the chance to be able to go to PSV and he rejected it to stay at Newcastle because he was loyal to his club. And um, yeah, he was he was quality. You watch his highlights now in all these Premier League years that are on, on the TV. And Alan Shearer in his prime was an absolute beast. And now he didn't do better internationally with his goals scoring record is beyond me. He's just a centre forward, isn't he? He's what you cut with what you grow up watching him that is he's he's a centre forward. Again, he never much space about him. Yeah, but he can just score every single type of goal. Um, iconic celebration as well. Yeah, so, can't argue. I'd be honest with you, he's on my thought process for the top five. But um, when you when 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 I, when I mentioned the top two, you understand why he quite quite didn't make yeah um, my top five. But yeah, I can't argue whatsoever. I mean, he's a great player. Um, and yeah, I mean, we all listen to him actually today, and he actually comes across as quite intelligent. You can't really argue, can you? And that's the thing, he's made a good transition into punditry because he knows his stuff when it comes to football. He read the game well when he was playing, he went into managerial roles and yeah, his, his management wasn't the best when he was there. He didn't do too well at Newcastle, but I don't think that was down to his management. But he's made that transition into punditry because of the fact that he knows what he's talking about and he knows how to play the game properly. So yeah, so it'll be interesting. Let's see what our top two is because I'm, I'm really intrigued to see if we have any of the same players in the top two. So Gwen, hit me with it. Okay, number two. Again, probably a bit of a surprise, but as I, I picked players that I loved. Number two was Dimitrov. Tell you why I've picked them. There's a theme here. Like the slowest players, the slowest strikers in Premier League history. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just because, well, yes, you can just watch them and he just, I don't know, he's just class. He just looked at them and he was just, it's a shame he went to Man United because when I watched him at Tottenham, it was quite wow. Um, and I think, I think after, after United, we come back to the Premier League, I think he played for Fulham, I think it was. He did, yeah. And, uh, He's just class, he scored every type of goal. He just, every time he scored a goal, it looked like he meant it. He didn't just, you never seen him just scuff a shot in the middle of the yeah. mm. You know, he, he was always like in the top you know, chicken keeper or nagging someone or, he was a bit of skill he did and I think it was for United where he made like three players look stupid, didn't he? When he, he went back on himself and then went back and like, he went sliding and then he just flopped a bit and it was like, you know, it's, I think the thing that Ibrahim is about him, he just thought he was the best player on the pitch. And I think this whole lazy thing that followed his head was just not really something he really deserved it. I mean, back players people say didn't really deserve it. And for me, if it wasn't for how good number one was, it would be probably, for me, he's my number one. But I, I could not mention this number one. I, I'd, I'd be astonished if he's not in your top three. My number one, there's only one player you can pick. And if, he's, if, if no one picked, if every player, in, uh, sorry, if we had 100 people playing out, and he didn't come up with maybe 99% of people's top, top five, I would be astonished. And number one is Terry on me. I'm not going to say anything about him. What I'm going to say, I went to Liverpool match. Liverpool got beat 4-0 by Arsenal in the FA Cup. Terry on me came off in the 75th minute. All of Anfield just clapped him as he came off. That is, that day does not happen to anyone. 
that day is over, mate. Because I look to you, Interesting. Those top two are very, very interesting. As you said, totally different types of players as well. Berbatov looked like he, he couldn't be bothered playing football. He was the type of player that you thought to yourself, if this boy actually made an effort, he would be something shocking. But he just kind of looked like he just wandered around the pitch. But yet when he got that ball, like he was unreal. Berbatov. I think most Liverpool fans will remember the, the game against United where Cross came in. Berbatov just took the little touch, just in mid-air, took the little touch, teed it up well, overhead kick, barred in, over the top of Reina. Not a problem to him. And he just wandered off as if like it was a bit of a training session. That's what he normally does anyway. Like He was some player and, and so what can you say about Thierry Henry? He was fantastic. So that's interesting. Interesting top five. Interesting indeed. Now, you want to know my top two? Go on, let's go, let's go. Right, so number two, I think... He's, he's got to be mentioned. He's got to be in there because we're going to be talking about him for the rest of my life and the rest of my kids' lives. Number two, Cristiano Ronaldo. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just hate him. But... <laughs> <laughs> for me, and I know yeah. it's, it's obviously a debatable one and I know a lot of Premier League footballers go the other way, but for me, Ronaldo is the best player on the planet. And I know this is a big discussional point and I know people have, will argue about it because... People argue about it at every single level of football. But for me, I, I would say he, pick, he picks Bessie. And I, I would say he's the best player. So he's got to be up there. Really? Yeah, that, yeah, and I know it's debatable. The only thing for I me... Feel, I feel I feel like a podcast being, you know, run around this. I feel Messi, the opposite. And, oh, that would be interesting. A Messi-Ronaldo debate podcast. Um Okay, yeah, we could do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I would be I would be quite adamant that I think Ronaldo would pick him. Only because of the fact that I think Ronaldo has done it at every single level. Messi has done amazing at Barcelona. He is quality and it's undoubted that he is just on another planet in comparison to, to any other player in the world. But Ronaldo has done it in England. He's done it in Spain. He's done it in Italy. He's done it in Portugal. He's done it at international level. He basically carried that Portugal team through the Euros. I don't want to get involved in a Messi Ronaldo. (laughs) I agree. I'm not arguing that in your father, but say he's done it in Portugal. That's like saying he's done it in in, in, in the Mercedes Christian League. Come on now, Danny. (laughs) Hey, it's it's up there. It's up there. I put my credentials down for what I've done in the Mercedes Christian League. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean he had two seasons at United but he wasn't playable didn't he yeah that's the thing is he was and that's why we put him up there and that's why most pundits would put Cristiano Ronaldo up there in an all time top five of Premier League players because he did when he, he he set himself up for what he's done at Real Madrid with those last two seasons at United where he was just an unstoppable player um, and that's why there was the whole debate obviously there was uh, Van Nistelrooy and Ronaldo had a falling out and Although Van Nistelrooy, as, as you've rightly pointed out, was an absolute quality player, world-class player, Alex Ferguson was prepared to just dump him out of the team because he knew that's how good Ronaldo was. So yeah, but he, he makes it into my top two. And it's already been mentioned, but the only player that can pick Ronaldo in my top five and go at number one, Thierry Henry. You've got to put him up there. Like, and, yes, yes, and I, yes. When you said that, I was like, oh, there you go. That's the first one that we've actually got the same... <laughs> <laughs> Henri was quality no, for me he he transformed Premier League football Henri came out of nowhere as that left-sided almost front three that they became with him and Bergkamp and Reyes and um, Perez came into it at different times and different things like this and they, they were able to change it about because of how versatile Henri was Henri done things on a football pitch in the Premier League that we had never seen before at that particular time um, he, he was just he was top quality he's exciting you don't need to search on YouTube for Thierry Henry highlights and some of the stuff that he'd done in some of the games that he played obviously he'd be most well known for the Champions League outside of the boot from the right side of the box tailing round and going in the bottom bin on the other side but like that was just one of 50 different highlights that you could pull out of unreal Thierry Henry goals um, loved watching Henry he excited me even though he wasn't in my team even though he's You'd have loved him at Liverpool. Watching Arsenal, I think most people started to like Arsenal, no matter what team you sport in the Premier League, because of the way Thierry Henry played and how exciting he made it. He was the poster boy, and as I say, um, he taught in Liverpool down the years for sure. Um, I, I know for sure he definitely did. Um, what I will say about Thierry Henry, 
is we mentioned Ronaldo and Messi briefly there, and I don't want to even make it all about Ronaldo and Messi, but you could argue that Ronaldo and Messi in their peak were unplayable. Yeah. You couldn't say that about a lot of players. I mean, you could, I would say if you were including Liverpool, I'd say Gerard in his peak was probably unplayable, but Thierry Henry in his peak for probably about two, three years was absolutely unplayable. I remember then he went to Barcelona and he, he stuck the hack of Barcelona for a couple of years and won trophies daily. Um, yeah. As he was getting a bit older and he couldn't do a good job. I remember him coming back to Arsenal and he played, he come off the bench in like a, an FA Cup or a League Cup third round where he played against Leeds and he scored the winning goal. It was like, he's about 38 or something. It was like, you know, he just still had, and it was, he, he, he almost created that inside, um, he, sorry, the, the late, the kind of the, the palm of your boots, held it in around the keeper. Yeah. It was him that done almost created that like one on one to keep it and just bend it round them. Uh, it was, almost him that created. Yeah. He did he revolutionised a lot of what we see in the Premier League now came from what Henri suddenly brought. Um he just played like he was just having fun. And obviously there was a few boys at that time across world football, you think of your your Ronaldinho's, your Rivaldos. There was boys like that, but for someone like Henri to come out of nowhere with to do the skills that he had with the pace that he had to be able to do them as well. Because you think now, you, you look at boys in the Premier League now that have got skills. You, you look at like your, your Wilfred Zahas, your Marnes, your boys like that. They have got skill levels that are quality. But you give them a nudge and, the, and they're straight over because the balance isn't there. Henri had an amazing sense of balance and he was able to stay up and stay on the ball while travelling at a ridiculous pace. And like... For me, he had everything. He had everything in football when you were watching. And he just made it look easy as well. So, yeah. What can you say? He was the right, wasn't he? I wish he had his face. <laughs> <laughs> so, give us your rundown. So, top five to number one. So, number five was Ruud van Nistelrooy. Number four was Dennis Bergkamp. Number three was Lon Robert. Number two was Demetel Ebertoff. Number one was Thierry Henry. And yours, Danny? So mine was at five, it was Aguero. Number four is Patrick Vieira. Number three, Alan Shearer. Number two, Cristiano Ronaldo. And number one, Thierry Henry. So I think what we'll do is probably put them up on a poll and we'll see what yeah. people think and give a chance for people to be able to react. And if you've got anything to say about who you think we missed out, because there were so many. You, you think of Zola, you think of Ginole, you think of, of Drogba, you think of Terry, Rio Ferdinand, all these different boys that have come out throughout the Premier League era. Um, if you think we've missed some boys out or you think the top five should be completely different, then give us a shout right on our Facebook page, email into us uh, at and Danny's Irish Anfield Road at gmail.com uh, and we'll be able to put it into next week's show. I have to say two things just before we move on to our uh, special guest, Damien Creel, the uh, referee in the North Irish League. I just want to say two things. Tony Hibbert was so close to making my top five, but he just didn't make it. I just want to make that clear. All right. Okay. <laughs> 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 and secondly, secondly, we joke there. I just want to say, um, as everyone knows, listen to this, me and Danny on Zoom call doing this, and we'll keep our social distancing. And so, just watching you talk then, Danny, um, about Terry on me and the smile and loving your face. It just makes me realise that we are doing the right thing with this podcast. Mm. Just seeing you talk then about Terry on me, I could Terry on me, I could just see you were in your head, you were thinking back to the goals, scored in the happy times. And this is why we do what we do, and this is why we love football. And it's just, for a moment, I just sat there and thought, I've had many times like what you have, the way you were reminiscing there about Terry on me. Yeah. It's so sweet and, and great and innocent about when you're at a certain age and you don't have to hate other clubs that you, you kind of grow up with yeah. you just love football and love, love good goals and I just know me and you the same generation watching the likes of Henri score belters and just be like wow I wish I could do that yeah <laughs> no, I think you're right and you need to have that don't you I think as much as we love our own team and as much as we love watching Liverpool play you've got to have that love of football and I think that's what we have, is, is to be able to love football at all levels. I was actually talking to someone today about the fact that one of my probably top 10 footballers that I like that have influenced my sort of playing and, and my love of football, one of them was David Beckham. And, and I remember going out to the park with my brother and, and trying, practicing for hours and hours at a pinging 30-yard balls, throwing the, the Beckham arm into every one of them, doing those free kicks, because... 
of what he'd done and how he revolutionised the passing game of football and how people play uh, when they don't necessarily have that much pace. Now, obviously, as you get older, you're scared to mention stuff like that because he was a United player. But you've got to love football. And, and that that includes sometimes having to love people from scumbag clubs like that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, um, next, guys, we have our very special guest. He's a referee and landman in Northern, Northern Ireland Premier League. Um, so yeah, we'll be right back with you um, and we'll be interviewing. Right folks, welcome back to Ammo and Danny's Irish Anfield. Well, as promised, our special guest this week, um, as I mentioned in, um, in a couple of posts and our mm. previous pod, me and Danny took a grilling last week off our partners about how much they hate football. So this week, we thought we'd get our revenge. And our lucky, um, or unlucky, <laughs> hot assistant is Damien Freel. Okay, so um, before we start, I just want to say Damien's a, a linesman and referee um, all over Northern Ireland. And he's, he's refereed and lines from really big games. He's also one of the biggest Liverpool fans that I know. Um, so first of all, welcome to the podcast, Steve. Hey, glad to be on. Looking forward to it. Uh, you're gonna get a grill and see us. Um, gonna get a grill. Go easy. Go easy. Why? What? What? Why Liverpool? Um, why Liverpool Football Club? How did you start your passion? Start you know, support Liverpool. That's Liverpool. Um, father, family. It's always been Liverpool and our family. It's just not me. Our family is all Liverpool supporters. by Liverpool supporters. So it's just been passed on. So there was really no choice, and I'm glad that um, it is a club that we follow Liverpool because it's, it is a club like no other. I'm not just I'm not being biased here at all. So yeah, just to put it out there, guys. Um, we're on a Zoom call as we've mentioned in, in, in the previous part about Damien actually has a big picture. I'm assuming it's Stevie G looking the Champions League trophy behind your head. There is that right? That's a, yeah, yeah. That was that's actually a painting that was painted. A boy painted that for us. Um, in Bulgaria it was 2005 we got it done that painting uh, we seen a boy down the street painting it for it was a pile of scousers that landed mm. so we went and got one painted as well so bad at sense and yeah it's, uh, it's the holy grail here no <laughs> <laughs> it's a great 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 backdrop um, so at, towards the end of the pod I will ask you your, your favourite match of all time and your favourite player but let's get down to the meaty, juicy bit of this discussion and interview here. Why? Why are you a referee? Why? Really? <laughs> why? <laughs> there's there's games I've done, and then after I'll be sitting thinking, why am I doing this? <laughs> but <laughs> for the past, I would say, three, four years, like I do coaching as well with young boys for a local football club, hmm. and. I was there, I put my hands up. I was one of them coaches on the sidelines going at the ref constantly. No doubt about it, I was. I always ask myself, why does these boys come out still week in and week out? They do it. Um, so I finally plugged up the courage last year. I says, I'm going to find out, I'll do it. I says, the only way I'm going to find out. And I done it. I went and done the course. Got a few wee game, friendly games in the middle of the park just to ease my way in. A few youth games. And then I started to get more senior games and stuff like that. But I says, if I get free my first game, I says, I'll see how that goes. And it went well. Um, second game went well. Third, really, really enjoyed it. So I just kept at it and kept going. The very first game, I remember the feeling I had. It was, I was actually shaking. Like, I says, what's going on here? Because there's a lot of parents there. Because it was a youth <laughs> match, there was a lot of parents there. Mm. And with me being a youth coach, I don't know what the parents can be like towards the referee. So I says, I'm getting it here tonight. <laughs> 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 and is it um, is it harder to kind you know referee a youth game as opposed to like a men's game or what's I'd say it's got challenges in, in both types of games. The parents can they can be pain they really really can as you know men's game towards a youth game men's would be I actually find the youth games a bit a wee bit more challenging I think because of the because of the parents yeah it's You've got to, you have to have thick skin. You definitely do have to have thick skin, they do. Yeah, a question I've got for you, Dee, is um, what's the worst thing or bit of abuse that you've had on a football pitch from, you know, 
either a fan, a spectator, or a player? I think I've been quite lucky, to be honest with you. Um, there's nothing stands out there. I can say I got a real bollocking from start to finish in that game there. There's not a game that stands out, so I think I've been quite lucky. I haven't um, I haven't come across the one really, really, really aggressive yet, or no, towards me. Like, so I think I've been lucky, and that's uh, definitely have, but I know it's the cup definitely as they come. It was all part of football, do you know what I mean? With the fans, uh, giving the abuse, the players. Like, mm. as I as I was, um, I was guilty of it myself, and I still am, I still do. When I go and watch local matches, I still be standing there shouting at the ref or the linesman. It's just natural in football. So I take it on the chin when I do hear things because it is natural. Uh, hearing things fired at you because everybody does it. You go to the, you go to your local pub, you watch a game, you do it there to TV. You'd be shouting about the ref and the linesman. You know what I mean? So it's all, it's natural. Football is natural. Do you not find it hard to keep it cool? Like I'm just, just just speaking out of experience. Like at a very, I'll tell you a very, very quick story. When I was in Liverpool, I refed under 16s, so refed maybe 20 games. And you take abuse, as you said, from the sidelines. Take abuse from the players. And I found it so hard. Hence why I don't referee. Um, I found it so hard to not make it personal. If you know what I mean. I remember one game yeah. in particular. It was probably one of the last games I refed. There was a, a lad on the pitch who was just giving me abuse the whole game. One of the centre backs. And it's the usual, you just sort of like, all right, mate, shut up, shut up, and just kept sort of fobbing them off. And then one of the dads on the side was giving me abuse. So you do the usual, go over in the end. And I'm like, do you think you can do this better? Hand them the whistle and all like you do, classic ref move. Um, mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, you haven't given a decision like towards my son the entire game. It's as if you're, like, you're against them. I'm like, which one's your son? He points at that lad that's been giving me abuse at centre back, and I was like, "Oh, you're having a, hey, you're having a laugh, you mate." And I walked off. <laughs> Two minutes later, the other team attacked, went into their box. His lad slide tackled, didn't get anywhere near the lad, like completely missed the lad. But the lad dived, hit the deck. I give a penalty, sent him off. Looked at his dad the entire time. His dad was steaming. I was like, couldn't care less. Couldn't care less. Hence to say, I never got asked to referee in that game again. <laughs> But do you, not find it, do you not find it hard to, to take it personal like when you're getting these, this abuse hailed at you? Um, no, I really don't. I really, I, I, be, I think I'd be more, I bet, concentrated on the game. Mm. Especially media and lines. I have to make sure you know, every call is spot on. So I kind of in my own wee zone, just totally focused on the game. So it kind of, that background noise, it kind of cuts that out. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So. Um, I definitely, it's, I think I've been lucky so far, but uh, that's what I mean. I definitely have been focused on the game where the back noise, I just sometimes I don't even know what they're saying to me. Like, I know they're shouting bad stuff, like, but I just don't know what they're saying. <laughs> a, few, a few more questions if I don't want to upset you here. But, um, tell me this, have you any stories about any matches and like that? Any, any that stands out? You know? There's nothing really... Controversy that's happened and any games I've done, <laughs> so it hasn't. There's nothing real big story yet. Hmm. Um, you ref at a decent um, level, yeah. don't you? You ref like championship and and league below championship in the in the Irish league, don't you? Lines on linesman have done games in the championship. That's just below the Irish league hmm. and in the PIL. Um, I, but I started out doing lines in the women's Premier League. Okay. Um, so that was that was the likes of Flanfield and Science Twelfths, Glen Torn, all them done, all them teams there study in the Brandywell. Mm. Did I hear something about you actually being a scores off the pitch once or something like that? Was you saying to me one day? Uh, it was Portadown versus Lockall, big derby match. Mm. First v second, real big crowd at it. It was the biggest match I've done yet. The game Lockall were the away team, but they went up one 0 so the Portadown crowd, as you know, were on edge and were shouting for everything. The atmosphere was electric. So that was a really, really, really good game. It went well for me, um, I felt. Uh, but Portadown, they came back and they won 2-1. Uh, but the crowd was still, even though they won the game, there were something the crowd wasn't happy with. I, had a, I actually don't know what they weren't happy with at all. So we had to stay, me, the other linesman, and the referee had to stay in the middle of the pitch and just stay there until the stewards came out and then escorted us back down into the tunnel. 
But as we were going down the tunnel, the fans kind of made their way down beside the tunnel and were hurling abuse at us. Oh, man. So that there was, uh, that was intense. I couldn't wait to get down the tunnel and get under the change room just to settle down a bit. But that was good. <laughs> Did you ever find out what it was? I have no idea. No idea. But that's it. I mean, they actually, they won the game 2-1. Hmm. And you think they would be buzzing after being 1-0 down in the derby game, first be second. But that's, that's football. I actually don't know why it's, they were it's so, it's so great to hear you talk and be so, you know, I think the biggest thing that's come across so far in this interview is that referee or not, you're still a massive football fan. And it's so good to hear that you understand the other side. Because you, you do see some Mets in the Premier League and you just think, idiot. I'm sorry. I don't mean that in an aspect. I mean, I, I, I'd like to think I'm fairly respectful towards refs, but you do sometimes just think, idiot, you know, that type of thing. But um, tell me this, Steve, what's your dreams and aspirations? Like, do, you, do you see yourself one day potentially refereeing a Man United game obviously you can't referee the club in a fan but sending all the Man United players off is that a dream of yours or uh, well the way, it's not a straight for you see here in Northern Ireland the highest I can go here is on the Irish League mm. that is my push for here and that's with the AFA over there then it's the English AFA so for me to be do the Premier League with the English AFA I'd have to go over there mm. register with them and start off in their leagues but it's here I'm concentrated on and I think my main goal at the minute now is there's a fitness test you have to get you have to pass they get in the Irish league and they get your FIFA badge and then you start doing FIFA games in around Europe and stuff like that um, so my main aim is, is wow. to get this fitness test and then I will get my FIFA badge then and then push into the Irish league there's refs I work with and Linos as well, who have their FIFA badges, who've done qualifying games in Europa League, international games. Um, so that's my main aim, is to get them licensed, wow. get this fitness test, get them licensed, and start making a real, real career at it then. Mm. What does this fitness test entail? Is it, is it, is it, can you explain it, or is it too difficult to kind of go into detail? It's very, it's very intense. You have to be training for it. You just can't turn up and say... I'm fit enough, I'll pass this. You won't. You definitely won't. You have to be training constantly, running. Um, I can't remember the exact measurements for it, but there is three parts of the fitness test you have to do. Um, and the first one is to do with your speed, sprinting from one point to a certain point within six seconds. Not sure the distance it is, but you have to do that six times. And then the second one then oh. is basically... Kind of the same, but with me being a linesman, it's going from side to side, then sprinting off, if you know what I mean. And then the third part then, it's like a bleed test. It's the measurements of that. I can't even remember them off the top of my head, but it's quite far, trust me. <laughs> Just those two words, same bleed test made me sick. It's that. You have to be training. If you're not training, you won't get it as simple as that. But it's, it's definitely hard and it's definitely, um, it's definitely worth training for it is because the opportunities then be fantastic. Can you, can you divulge, um, this is just me being nosy and feel free not to answer, but I'm sure listeners listening will kind of want to kind of maybe thinking about this. Can you divulge at the top level in you know Ireland, Northern Ireland, what, what, what type of money are the referees getting? You know, because we know the Premier League refs to look after, but in a top referee, you know, maybe referee or line in a, a Europa League game. What type of money are they? Yeah. I have no idea, no idea what it is there, what the money is. But I'm pretty sure they're well looked after it as well. Well, well, I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions about Liverpool Football Club because I know you're a huge fan. Um, yeah. First of all, what's what's the greatest match that you've been to or that you remember and and why basically? Best match I've been at, and it's definitely going to be hard to top. Um, for I've been to loads of matches after that. It was actually my very first Liverpool game, um, seeing them live in Anfield. Uh, my father took me over, it was for my birthday, and it was a Champions League game on the 04 05 season, the season we went on, they won it. Um, and that game was Liverpool against Olympiacos, the last group game. 
Gerard scored uh, yeah, he scored the uh, late winner. Um I still have the match that program. Was your, uh, that was, that your was my first game. What a yeah. game to go to. Uh, it was I still have the match program and ticket and all here. Still kept it. Um but I remember that night walking towards Anfield and seeing the crowd and just seeing the lights and the place lit up. Um I, I was speechless. I was spe- I didn't know. I had a lump in my throat when they were singing "You'll Never Walk Alone." I was thirteen, thirteen maybe. There's nothing like a European night at Anfield with the boys. Isn't it just the best ever? Oh, it was phenomenal. That when he scored that goal, I have never in my life heard a crowd a noise like it. Never. I was going to say. I remember. Game. I was going to say. I remember watching that game and like European nights at Anfield are massive, but knowing that we had to get through with the goal difference that we needed in that game. The atmosphere was unreal in that game. Yeah. So for that to be your first game, that is some memory to have. First game, oh, yeah. it had only two clear goals. Um, I remember Rivaldo, the Brazilian, yeah. scored the free kick. Yeah. 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 Um, I thought, there's three goals to score here. Um, this isn't going to happen. My first ever time in Anfield is not going to happen. But as you say, Liverpool and European Knights, they just turn it around on a blink, and that's just what happened. Neil Miller came on, uh, and Pong Goal came on. Yeah, both scored. Long from a Pong Goal, yeah. They both yeah. scored, didn't they? Well, that's his first touch, Pong Goal, wasn't it? Yeah, I remember, I remember Gerard actually scored as well, but the goal was ruled out. He struck it from, must have been 30 yards as well, maybe further on out, if he's remembered. He struck mm-hmm. it, and who was the goalkeeper? The boy, Nicopolitis or something, he called him. Right. He stumped, he spilled the ball and went under the net. Now I'm filled erupt at the end, but the referee ruled it out. As far as from sitting on the stand, the goal should have actually stood because the ball hit the, hit the net before he blew the whistle. Mm. As far as I remember, definitely. So seeing him score in later on, it made it all, all the better. All the better. Mm. So the, there was an old man, he was sitting beside me. And when he scored that goal, Gerard, he got up and he put his arm around me, but kind of lifted me up. By the neck, and I couldn't breathe. <laughs> 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 I couldn't breathe. I was, I was kind of joking. I was like trying to tap him. It was just the excitement, like so. <laughs> I didn't mind. I didn't mind. But I couldn't roar because I couldn't breathe. But I was joking. <laughs> <laughs> we're, laughing, we're laughing now, but I mean, as I'm sure the great memories. And um, one final question for you, um, and it's going to be a tough one. Who is your favourite Liverpool player? Or- Gerard, Stephen Gerard, yeah. no question about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's silly asking why, but why? You know, Gerard is just—I don't—I don't even know where they start with him. They, what he done for the club, he fed it from start to finish. It was just—it's just a machine. Mm. He gave his all. He gave everything to that club. Um, that, as I say, that night when he scored that goal against Lampeikos, he put us through. Then again, you look in the final then. His um, attitude in the final when we were three 0 down, he scored a goal, a header, brought us back in it, and he left it the whole team. Any time we were struggling, Jared always seemed to grab the game by the scruff of the neck and then take it in his own hands and turn it around. You look at the FA Cup final against West Ham again; definitely my all-time favourite player. Hmm. <laughs> well, I mean, I think. He's definitely man, and I'm sure he's. he's well, who would you pick, Danny Alonso or Gerard? <laughs> I think you like. I I love Alonso. This is no denying this day. We've been talking about it a few times on this podcast. But you've got it. You've got to go with Gerard. Gerard is unbelievable. Yeah. Alonso is a great technical player. He was quality, and there's other boys you can throw in there. You can throw Torres in there. You can throw Suarez. You can throw Carragher. You can throw Hippier. You can throw all these different boys. But nobody has quite played. I think the only boys who you would put up there on the same level as Gerard would be Kenny Daglish and Ian Rush. They'd be the only other boys you put in there. Yeah, um, yeah. But for me, for for the type of teams that he played in, Rush and Daglish played in quality 80s Liverpool teams. Gerard played in teams with some real shocking individuals at the time, but, but kept Liverpool up in that top four all the time just by sheer hard work and determination. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. It was, He's definitely why he hasn't got a, a statue outside Anfield yet is beyond me. Like he's always grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck and turned it around. Yeah, when he had five players at times around him, but he always get on with it. Quickly, just before we go, D, um, did you manage to get a top five of 
players in the Premier League that you love to have them paid for Liverpool. These players I'll mention, they probably they won't even get on the Liverpool team now, you know. <laughs> was, <laughs> but um number I'll go from five to one. Five Vance and yeah. Company. Four Peter Schmeichel. Peter Schmeichel, interesting that, goalkeeper like. Yeah, I thought he was brilliant. He's he's a brilliant goalkeeper. Hands up. So uh Didi Drogba, fireman there. Um Thierry Henry. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, number one, it's, it's coming from Manchester United again, but football's football, and that's it. Uh, number one, Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> Top two is very similar to mine. I had Ronaldo number two, Henri number one, so it's very, very similar. Yeah, Ronaldo yeah, that's is. That's so interesting. If Messi was in the Premier League, it would be Messi over Ronaldo, wouldn't it? But Messi was. <laughs> that's, oh. that's, that's a debate we're, uh, we're raging on at the minute. <laughs> It's interesting that he put Drogba in there because he, he didn't make Man and Danny top five, but he was certainly close because because he was on the opposition team like Chelsea, you know, like um, obviously um, Omri was for Arsenal, so put Drogba in his, in his prime was just, he was just a beast, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. It was actually hard. There's more. There's another five I could probably fire on there. Oh, massively, yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, it was interesting to hear the insight of, a, of a, you know, an official that's quite a high standard. Um, thank you so much for coming on, Dee. Yeah, it's been really good and really do appreciate it. I know I've, I've played a number of games over here in the Northern Amateur League and different things like that. And the refs get a really hard time. I've played in different countries. I've played all over the place playing football matches. And I don't, I don't think anyone quite gives abuse to referees like Northern Irish football. It's it's ridiculous. Like, um, So I've got a lot of respect for what you do and appreciate you sort of telling us a little bit about it and a little bit about what, what goes on. We're tough. We're tough over here. We can take it. He's <laughs> can indeed. And we we wasn't too harsh on you, was we? You you happy enough? <laughs> I was more nervous coming on here. They talked and did my first game as a linesman. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I think I can speak for me myself and Danny and saying that you've you done a great job and it was great to get an insight. Um, but yeah, folks, thank you so much for listening to this week. Um, we'll be back next week. But in the meantime, thank you so much for listening to Ammo and Danny's. Irish Anfield Road. Sports Social Podcast Network. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corian's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corian.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corian.com.